The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to an hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Good morning, food lovers. Another delicious day in Southern California. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. You've tuned in to KFWB News Talk 980, and we have a full hour of fabulous food right here and in your radio. A very happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Good morning to you, Lana. Good morning. Or top of the morning to you, I should say. (laughs) This is your culinary culture and lifestyle show that celebrates food and wine, a place for people who love to cook and love to eat. And if you have a passion for everything scrumptious, please stay tuned. We're keeping you updated on the food scene. We take a deep exploration of a broad range of culinary topics every Sunday. And you just might learn something. Set your culinary sights higher this hour. Coming up in just a bit, you're going to hear from Ari Tamor. He is a gentleman, a chef, who is making huge leaps and bounds in the food world, in fact, with his restaurant called Alma. It's a community restaurant in downtown L.A., and he has a really interesting gastronomic perspective. Also, we're going to learn some heart-healthy recipes from Kak Young, the author of Heart Easy. You'll hear from Dean. Simon. We're talking about griddled goodness that is waffle madness. And coming up, Chef Charlie Palmer is joining us to dish on brunch, Passover, Easter, and how he loves to celebrate with fabulous food. So please stay tuned. Seeing that today is St. Patrick's Day, though, please rush on over to chefjamie.com where we're serving up seconds for this radio show always. And there are a slew of great St. Patty's Day recipes we're sharing with you as well. St. Patrick's Day, the Americanized Irish holiday that is devoted today to all things hoppy, yeasty, and green, uh, I think is the opportunity to get into the spirit. And that doesn't mean just cracking open an icy stout beer. Guinness is, of course, the go-to. The recipe has changed a little bit since it originated in Ireland in the mid-1700s, in fact, but it hasn't changed its trademark sort of charred flavor and I think it makes a delicious addition to recipes not just for drinking it's a meal in itself if you drink it (laughs) that it is you don't need anything else to eat but you can add it to everything from your corned beef to your onion soup making it from French to Irish all the way to your dessert stout float but Lana kick us off if you would your cook with Lana recipe this week is all about a great corned beef and what's great about a corned beef dinner is that it could be a one-pot meal as you can throw the vegetables like cabbage, carrots, and potatoes into the water to cook along with the corned beef. Yeah, It makes it so easy, and that way the vegetables get a chance to pick up the flavors from the corned beef and spices that had cooked in the water. See, that's what I love. When you made a corned beef just this past week, because I was sharing everything corned beef on Fox TV, I love the cabbage that has that sort of pickled, wonderful, rich flavor from the cooking liquid and uh, the 
reminiscent flavor of the corned beef and everything comes all together. Mm-hmm. And then it makes great leftovers oh, too. Nothing better than a corned beef sandwich. I agree. Or a corned beef Reuben or a traditional Reuben in the panini maker. Mm-hmm. I take my Reuben to the next level and I like a good buttery crispy crust on that brown bread. Then also posted on the website at chefjamie.com. What else do you do with leftover corned beef? Well, back by popular demand, this recipe has been one of the most requested on the website for years and years. It's a Reuben dip, right? Mm-hmm. And you love it too. It's yes. everything you love about a Reuben but layered corned beef, sauerkraut, good old fashioned Russian dressing that you make yourself, mayonnaise and ketchup. I like two parts mayonnaise to one part ketchup. Mm. And then good shredded gray air. You could use your favorite Swiss cheese layered in between every one of those layers and baked. So you get the ooey gooey goodness of a Reuben piled high in a dip with chips or you could make... Um, brown bread crostini mm-hmm. to dip into it use a good pumpernickel and let's not forget a corned beef grilled cheese sandwich yes let's not forget that <laughs> what time are you making that i'll be right over i always love when new chefs come to the show and sit down at the table to dish i find it tremendously inspiring and i hope you do too As the chef and owner of Alma Restaurant, Ari Tamor is bringing his training in French technique and his love for California farm fresh ingredients to downtown LA's enlivened Broadway neighborhood. It's just 30 seats. And if you only knew, and for those of you that know, in Southern California, we have some pretty critical restaurant critics. This gentleman, this chef, is receiving incredible acclaim. Jonathan Gold has said that, quote, nobody is cooking quite like this in L.A. Patrick Koo has said that this is a refreshing passion. And I quote, I just never expected to have such a revelation in an eight table restaurant. (laughs) This is what we've been told as the most exciting chef in town. Another quote from a restaurant critic. But you should really go and test it yourself. The restaurant is called Alma, and we can't wait to go there. This is a sneak peek into the restaurant world of Chef Ari Tamor, and he joins us live. Good morning to you, Chef. Good morning. We're glad to have you. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Welcome. Okay, tell us your food philosophy, because you certainly are getting a lot of attention uh, here in Los Angeles as one of the most exciting chefs in town. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been very humbling to receive that kind of praise. Uh, The philosophy that we have is to take the best ingredients that we find from the markets where we go five days a week, um, the best products we get from our forager who comes to us a couple of days a week, and we try to extract the most essential nuances of their their flavors. So if we're cooking carrots, we want them to taste the most like carrots. Uh, If we're cooking cabbage, we want it to taste the most like cabbage. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for our meats as well. Uh, we really we want things to taste as simply and as vibrantly as possible. You know, Chef, I've always talked about my experiences in Italy where I relate it to the fact that like in Italy, a fig tastes like a fig and a tomato tastes like a tomato. And because we're constantly moving and I'm delighted to say, and I'm so much a part of it as you are as well, toward a sustainable movement where we're buying locally. We've come a long way. You know, back in the time, in the day, um, we used to forage for our own mushrooms or otherwise, and it was for rustic, hearty, home-cooked right. meals when you lived in the South. Now I've heard of chef friends of mine that will go out and forage with other comrades, but you mentioned that you have a forager who delivers? Yeah, he goes <laughs> into the Los Angeles forest and he'll bring in... Um, 
different wild herbs, chickweed, oxalis, uh, wild fennels. Um, he does a lot of preservation as well, so he makes vinegars with pine, vinegars with wild clover. Uh, he's starting to experiment with fermenting olives and making olive oil. Wow. So he really provides us an array of, of different, really interesting, very unique flavors that we can use to, to back up dishes that we're doing or even highlight them by themselves. That's pretty incredible. Talk about the concept of Alma, because I love that you tested it in a pop-up format. And the word itself means soul, does it not? It does. And Alma for me is a project that I've been thinking about really since I started cooking. Um, it's a small menu very much for chefs um, to come and eat and for chefs to come and work at. We don't have really any investors behind us. So this is very much a product, a project that uh, speaks to cooking itself and, and really the meaning behind cooking, which is bringing us together. So the menu is very small. The kitchen is very small and the staff is very small. And we feel what that allows us to do is, is create an environment of community where people feel like they're coming into our home to eat. And um, the experience is very personal and very much speaks to the things that I love and the rest of the partners in the restaurant love as well. I think it's very interesting to read the menu online, by the way, and you can uh, read along at alma, A-L-M-A-L-A.com. The menu is very reasonably priced for, for very extraordinary cuisine. That's a big part of what we do is, yes. is seeking to be a neighborhood restaurant. And bites, first, second, and dessert are with four choices each, the categories that you can choose from. Talk to us about cooking lamb. I noticed there's a lamb dish on the menu. And right. this is sort of that rustic, hearty, wonderful season, because we've had some cold nights this season thus far here in Southern California, where, you know, I think of lamb twice or a few times a year. I think of an Easter lamb. I think of grilling a leg of lamb in a Mediterranean style during the summer. And then when the cold weather turns, there's something really wonderfully hearty and rustic about cooking lamb at home. So what advice can you give us? Uh, I would think that depending on the size of the lamb that you're getting, ours are from Jimenez Farm, and we get them fairly small, usually right around 40 pounds. Hmm. What that allows us to do is roast any cut of the lamb that we would like, so the usual tougher cuts like shoulder um, that one would have to braise, we can just roast very simply on the bone, um, which is great. But if you're getting a bigger lamb or getting lamb shanks, I would recommend cooking Cooking very gently, all the braising that we do is right around 300 degrees for around three to three and a half hours. Without adding much heat to them, we like to cook them very slowly with uh, charred aromatics. We have a, a minute or so left here, and what sure. I'd like to do is better get to know you. Sure. So if you would, allow us into the mind or in maybe the day of uh, Chef Ari Tamor. Um, tell us your latest ingredient obsession. Right now, we're really, really excited about this lamb that we've been working with. It's really versatile, and we've been really enjoying cooking it all on the bone very gently. Mm. So nice. we'll start our days usually around 7.30 or 8, drive to the farmer's market. We pick up pretty much every ingredient that we have. We have no current deliveries right now, so um, we'll go to the market. We'll head over to our meat purveyor. We'll head to our fish purveyor, pick up what we're using for the day and bring it back to the restaurant, start cooking around noon, and then we'll go through the, through the evening service. Wow, pretty fabulous. We cannot wait to dine with you. There is about a three-week wait time for a prized possession that would be a seat in the 30-seat restaurant that is Alma Restaurant in downtown LA's enlivened Broadway neighborhood. You can peruse menus and learn more. I mean, come on. You know you want to go eat here. Tuesday through Saturday night dinner is served from 6 to 10 p.m. 
and you can plan your next great meal at Alma in LA, the website alma-la-alma-la.com. Say hi to chef owner Ari Tamor when you're there. Chef, it was a pleasure. Thank you. We can't wait to see you soon. Thank you so much. We hope you'll come back and share your passion once again. Anytime. Thank you. Delicious conversation, no doubt. And we're dedicated to it. We hope you are too. Stay tuned. There's more right after this. Welcome back. This is a place for people who love to eat and have a passion for good food and fine cooking. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. If you didn't know, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer in America. Dr. Kak Young, the 10-time published author, the TV industry executive, ex-workaholic, former high-level fabulous gal, was sure that she was eating healthy up until she had a heart attack at the age of 57. Her first cookbook of the 10 published works that she has, in fact, is called The Heart Easy Cookbook, and it's a collection of easy and delicious heart-healthy recipes that are low in fat, sugar, and sodium. And we've really fallen for her book and her style, and we're delighted that she's here to share her passion and to hopefully keep us all living healthy and well. It's a pleasure to welcome you to the radio. Good morning to you, Kak. And good morning, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Will you share your mission, please, Dr. Kak? Because I think it's a story that all of us can uh, really learn from uh, and I think put some thought to in our daily lives. Well, certainly. My mission came about because I did have a heart attack in 2006. And I thought I was eating right, Jamie. I thought I was doing the right things. And I felt a shortness of breath when I was packing some boxes and moving them into the garage. And I just chalked it up to the heat in Los Angeles. It was July. It was over 100. And I thought, oh, pshaw, pshaw, I'm fine. This will pass. After a couple days of that, I decided to call my doctor, thinking that maybe I should see a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I described the symptoms, uh, she and the nurse said, get thee to the ER right now. Hmm. And, of course, I didn't. I said, well, there's traffic, I'll get a few things done, I had the oil changed in my car, and I decided to wait for the traffic after, uh, after it calmed down a little bit, because it was out in Woodland Hills, so I went out to the ER after 7.30. I'd had a little dinner, I had a glass of wine, I'd actually taken an aspirin, and there I was in the ER, and the ER was completely amazed when they looked at my blood pressure and said, it's a wonder you made it. Amazing. Wow. Wow. Well, it's a lesson all of us can learn from because Lana and I were talking earlier and even as you said, Mom, I mean, the truth is we all think we're eating healthy, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, I do. And and you do. (laughs) I think we all do. There's no doubt. I think that we have to be (laughs) mindful of what we're eating, Mm -hmm. what choices we have. And you are all about those choices, Kak. So talk to us, if you would, for those that have a concern for the health of their heart, for all of us who are looking to eat better, what are some of the heart-healthy alternatives for those of us that love to cook and love to eat? Well, hands down, we like our food to be delicious, and we like to be uh, have fun in the kitchen, and we love to share our food with, with friends. But what we have to do absolutely right now is stop eating highly saturated foods like anything that is fried, anything that is deep fried, anything that's covered in cheese, 
and we have to reduce our salt and our sodium intake because those are the things that absolutely catch us unawares and cause the buildup in our arteries that will take us down. Okay, wait a second, Dr. Kak. You and I used to be friends, but then you said no cheese. Right. <laughs> and our friendship is fading fast here, girlfriend, let me tell you. <laughs> so talk to us if you would, because reading through Heart Easy, mm-hmm. there are a lot of great cheese substitutes. How about soy cheese, Kak? Exactly. I have found uh, over the past, and I'm going to tell you that I think a superior product is made by the Lizanati Food Company in Oregon. And they make their almond, their rice, and their soy cheeses out of, uh, you know, soy and almonds and rice. Right. And a little bit of uh, brown rice in there, too, and some canola oil. And I like them because their meltability is very high. I work with them in either a block form or in shreds. And I can create any kind of yummy recipe that I used to love to have, uh, but now without any of the harmful saturated fats. For example, my turkey lasagna is a big favorite. All my friends who tried it said, what do you mean this is fake cheese? This is great. (laughs) My enchilada suisses I can make that are just killer. And I tried it with my L.A. friends, and I tricked them into uh, having, uh, you know, the new version after my heart attack. And they said, oh, you didn't change anything. And I said, I sure did. And then I would tell them what was in it, and they would go back for seconds. Hmm. I think that there are a lot of wonderful ways to fool food lovers, and it's not my intention to do so. I think it's a testament to the products and the quality of the substitutions that are out there. Uh, I think raw honey and agave, as you use so much in your book, is a great substitute to sugar. It has a really wonderful, sweet flavor. Um, I noticed that you use a lot of whole dates as well, especially in baking. And I think so many of those substitutes, many of us don't know. And when you start to work with them, you can make delicious dishes that are so much better for you, and you really don't have to sacrifice much. Well, exactly. Now, if you're setting out to make a chocolate chip cookie and you want to substitute, I can't believe it's not butter or Smart Balance or any of that, and you want the same consistency and you want to drop the sugar, you're not going to have the product that you're used to. So we do have to make some decisions and kind of grow up. I talk about it as taming the taste toddler. We all want the yummy, creamy, gooey, sugary, buttery, fat taste, but we're not willing to take those products out unless we say, my health long-term is more important to me than this little moment of, of gratification. And I think that there are ways to find that gratification. I believe in everything in moderation. And I believe, as you know, in full-flavored dishes. So Lana and I, perusing the book, found your heart-easy tilapia tzatziki. And it doesn't matter where you are across the country, what fish is available from your fishmonger. This is a wonderful, very simple weeknight meal, in my opinion, that you can really build bold flavor. Absolutely. It's the creaminess that you want the herbs that you want, and the delicious fish underneath. It's just a great recipe. I'll mention it's yogurt-based, that tzatziki sauce, Mm -hmm. and you can shave or mandolin slice cucumber into it. I know you use garlic for flavor. Um, And I happen to like to use Greek yogurt as the base. What do you use, Kak? Yes, um, and sometimes I just buy the uh, fat-free tzatziki that's already pre-made, too. Check the back of the labels to make sure that you are getting the lowest fat possible. And that even shortens the time. But yes, I love the non-fat Greek yogurt. Absolutely. The, the more, uh, the richer, the creamier, the, 
the yogurt, the better for me. Mm. Yeah, no, we agree. And in fact, as long as we're talking to a doctor, we can mention another. We're Dr. Oz fans on this show. And I just watched him talk about a research study that Greek yogurt actually motivates weight loss. They're saying that the actual benefits of yogurt are stimulating to the body for immunity and, uh, you know, so many good reasons. Mm -hmm. So if we can incorporate yogurt into more than just our breakfast dishes, we're really Mm -hmm. better off. We sure are. Substitute it for creams and milk products in just about everything you cook. Right. Mm. Good. I think that's a great tip. Talk to us about your fast and simple low fat five layer pizza, because if you said we're having five-layer pizza for dinner, Cack, I'd come over. (laughs) (laughs) Janie, we're having uh, pizza for dinner. Come on over. I'll be right there. If I have a lot of time, I'll make my own crust, and I can control the amount of fats and the amount of ingredients that go in it. If not, I'll look for a very low-fat, whole-grain, whole-wheat pizza crust. The thinner, the better for me. And then I'll start with a low-sodium tomato sauce, and then I'll layer it with a collection of the soy almond or rice cheeses i'll add broccoli vegetables i'll add onions i'll add tomato slices i'll just stack it as high as i need to sometimes i'll even put some beans in there for protein if i'm not using a chicken or a shrimp on it and i just get creative but i keep layering it really high and then when it melts and comes together and all those flavors mix up You come out and slice that and people are just out of their minds because Mm. it's a meal in a slice and it's Mm. so delicious. I love that you cook low in fat, low in sugar, low in sodium, but the dishes that we love and that's what it's really all about. Yes, and I think, you know, low fat, low sugar, low salt, and high enthusiasm is my secret to really making the Heart Easy program work. You know, Kat, you mentioned that you're an ex-workaholic. How did, how did you do that? How did I become an ex? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> well, I was, I was going and moving into more consulting because I knew that I wanted to eventually move to a, a, you know, a, a peaceful country sort of place, which was, is, is Cambria. And so I was moving out of the day-to-day, 18-hour-a-day work into more a consulting basis. And so as I, as I changed that, I was dialing down my participation in the industry. Mm. And I realized that at 57, I couldn't compete with 20-year-olds anymore. They have a whole different core energy than I did. Well, with turkey lasagna, you just might be able to. You you just won. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're making orange cranberry fennel rice first from the Heart Easy Cookbook. It is a collection of recipes that are good to your heart. And as CAC says, they don't have to taste like cardboard or sawdust. They can have have great taste. I love your quote, live well, love plenty, laugh often, eat healthy. The heart easy philosophy in a nutshell. Mm. CAC, we will take care of our hearts this month and every month and we thank you for inspiring us to do so. It's a wonderful cookbook as to whether you need to watch what you eat or you want to live a long and fulfilled life. This is the way to slim it down. The heart easy way. You can follow Dr. Kak Young at Heart Easy on Facebook and Dr. Kak Young as well on Twitter. And we're going to continue to check your website at hearteasy.com for more tips and tricks to eating healthy, especially this February American Heart Month that we're celebrating. Thank you, Jamie. And I want to tell for all your viewers, if they go to my website, www.hearteasy.com, I will include a video of a lecture about heart health that I gave 
for your audience, if they want to buy my cookbook, we can change their heart health with just a click of a button here. Mm, Love it. Thank you, Kak. How very nice. The delicious conversation continues right after this. Stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana, living each day healthier and more delicious. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. Sharpen your cooking skills and please your palate. I've said many times we have the best culinary thinkers on this show, and there is no doubt since the beginning of his celebrated career more than two decades ago, Master Chef and hospitality entrepreneur Charlie Palmer has received critical acclaim for his signature progressive American cuisine. He has to his name 18 restaurants and hotels combined, James Beard Awards galore, and a Michelin star at Oriole for six years running. His food is not only delicious, it's bright with fresh flavor, it's rich with depth, but his plates are extraordinarily eye-pleasing. And he's always at his restaurant, Charlie Palmer at Bloomingdale South Coast Plaza here in Southern California, where Lana and I dine often. He travels extensively. He has four sons, but he still makes time for us here in your radio. We're still reeling from the Bloody Mary brunch that Charlie thought up, and you have to try it. He's here to dish on it. Good morning to you, Chef. Good morning. How's everybody doing? (laughs) Good morning. We're doing good. We're glad to have you back. Well, good good to be back. And we wish you could send a Bloody Mary through the radio waves. Yeah, you know, I think Bloody Mary brunch has become kind of a a signature thing at South Coast Plaza, and what a... There's no better way to start shopping on a Sunday than come have a little brunch and uh, a few Bloody Marys, and then the spending starts. <laughs> yeah, it is addictive. All of it, by the way. Um, especially to me, what's most addictive is the really unique approach to a Bloody Mary bar. And since we're embarking on spring, Charlie, I think this is a wonderful opportunity to teach our listeners how to elevate and really jazz up a Bloody Mary bar by your example. It's not just the typical cucumber and celery stock. It's so much more than that. So throw out, if you would, some Bloody Mary inspiration. Well, you know, I mean, Bloody Marys for me have always been kind of a Sunday morning celebration. If you're going to do brunch on a Sunday or, you know, you know, even a late afternoon lunch on a Sunday, I mean, I think Bloody Marys are a must. And, you know, I think everybody has their favorite kind of recipe for Bloody Marys or their the place that they go that they have the best Bloody Mary, that kind of thing. And we've kind of taken all those ideas and, and put it into just an elaborate spread of not only ingredients, but actual mixes. So we come up with and continue to work on different mixes, you know, so, so different bases for it. But then, you know, the garnishes just keep growing and growing and growing. Everything from if you want to stick to vegetarian, you know, and really celebrate the harvest. And, you know, like let's just say springtime's coming up. All the great produce and ingredients that are, that are going to be out there. But, you know, right down to everything like, you know, candy, bacon, and, mm. you know, you name it. Any kind of roasted, toasted nut or anything. Yeah, I love the and, idea. Uh, you have everything pickled, everything fresh, and more hot sauce than that store down the street. I mean, you can go everything <laughs> true from sriracha to Tabasco. Charlie makes his own gazpacho Bloody Mary mix. Then you can go with the traditional. I packed my mason jar with heirloom tomatoes, pickled green beans, stuffed olives, candied bacon. It was like a salad in a glass, chef. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's like a meal in a glass. It I is. Mean, the goes with it. It's just kind of an accompaniment. Kim has done a great job with the menu, too, because it's, kind of 
uh, you know, incorporates all the favorite brunch type dishes that people think of, but also uh, adds some really interesting things and, and, and really presents it all with a lot of flair. So, you know, it's kind of a festive thing. I think brunch in itself is festive. It's a good time to celebrate things. Yeah, and gather, to relax, gather know, family, with, you know, gather friends, for sure. I think that's yep. one of the things we all love about brunch, and it's hard to find a great brunch. I love that you had signature breakfast items on the menu, but then Kim brought out a pork belly flatbread, which Lana and I thought we could eat every day oh. and be happy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Easy. Easy is right. Absolutely delicious. Speaking of brunch oh. and family, Chef, Passover and Easter, in fact, both quickly approaching um passover coming up first can you inspire us please teach us a few tricks up your sleeve a couple of suggestions for passover passover over the years for us in the restaurants we've kind of looked at passover and said look can we come up with items that work if somebody's going out but i think passover in the, in the home kitchen is something that people like will always take traditional recipes handed down i think one of the fun things about it is to kind of explore your heritage Yes. You know, like, because again, everybody has their, their aunt's famous recipe or favorite recipe and that kind of thing. And whether it's, you know, Passover, whether it's Easter, which is coming up too, is like to kind of celebrate the cooking that's happened in your family over centuries or, you know, in the past. And we you do know, that. I, you know, I like to do that with my kids because mm-hmm. I think it kind of gives them a sense of like passing something down to them that, you know, I've experienced as a kid, my wife has experienced as a kid growing up and that kind of thing. So. I think it's important we do that because I think, you know, kids have to understand where they came from and, and where the food came from. You know? uh, there's no doubt. Tradition is wonderful. And we do a potato cookle for Passover that's fabulous. You want to come yeah. over, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, it yeah, I, that, yeah, I was going to say, I, did I get to invite you? Know. It, it has fried shallots on top, and it's a really nice twist on the traditional Passover potato cookle sort of updated and that's what I love about the holiday is that you can keep those recipes that are steeped in tradition, but you can elevate them. I'll never forget, Charlie, uh, many years ago, if you recall, you were teaching a group of us media in your kitchen at Charlie Palmer at Bloomingdale South Coast Plaza, a quick dish in a sort of quasi cooking class. And you added a couple of drops of lemon juice from a fresh lemon you had just cut in half. And I remember you talking about this genius idea of how every dish needs just a drop or two of the lemon juice for acidity to brighten the flavor and there exactly. really kind is brighten that, yes brighten there is it's seldom there is seldom a dish chef that i do not think of you when i add that acidity to my dishes well good good i'm glad it could help Yep. <laughs> so if you come over for Passover potato, Google, um, tell us about Easter in your house and how your four boys are, by the way. Our kids are great. You know, we've got one off to of college now, so he'll be coming home, and that, that's, that's a good time for us, to, especially for me to have all the boys together. It's uh, nice. kind of a special thing. But, you know, we're thinking, we're talking my younger ones, my twins that are 15 now that are pretty heavy into cooking. You know, they, they really have a knack for it. Um, we're talking about doing a whole, kind of a whole roasted, like, suckling lamb and, uh, you know, outside on a spit. So, you know, that, whether that happens or not, it could could be, but, you know, really slow roasting and, you know, just basting and basting outside, mm. you know, especially with the weather the way it's you know, looking like it could be. So. Yeah, it definitely and, so. I love that wonderful lamb idea. What kind of wood do you use? Uh, we usually use a combination of apple wood and oak, you know. Okay. So, 
Where's slow, our invite? Like a slow bit of cold, you know. Really, really, <laughs> Chef, I don't yeah, think thanks. I got that invitation yet. <laughs> it's in the mail. It's, it's in, in the mail. mail. Um, and tell and of us, course, we'll probably start off with a couple of Bloody Marys. You know? I was going to say, what will you serve with it? There we go. Um, I know you're big on pig parts, too. And as we embark on spring, uh, you have a passion for pig. Is there a new dish that will make its way to one of your restaurant menus that might make me travel across the country for it? Well, you know, we're doing a lot of things. You know, we have pigs and pinot coming up in two weeks. Yes. Not even that day. March twenty second and third. Right, the celebration uh, celebration of the swine and the grape. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we're celebrating all types of pig parts paired with different Pinot Noirs. And the one thing we've been working on a lot is a, like a tetecochon, the traditional kind of preparation of a whole pig's head. Yes. You know, and all the pieces. Mm. What we've done and come up with, I think, is really nice. Is this? You know, we make the set the fork, we take and press it into a mold. Then we cut a slice of it and with a really light penne, which is just like a brush of olive oil and breadcrumbs of Parmesan cheese, and just under a, a broiler, just a, not really heating it all the way through, just like taking the chill off it and giving a nice little crust on top and served with a nice mustard-based sauce. It's just I mean, it's delicious. It's unbelievable. Oh, and, uh, I love that twist on the traditional because the tête de cochon is, is quite a work of art. But when yeah. you bring it down to the very real palatable level of it, and then you add your twist, I'd like to taste that. Yeah, and you know, it's, we tend to be going in that direction of taking like really traditional things uh-huh. and, you know, kind of refining it, you know, rethinking it a little bit and like adding a little bit of flair to it. And, you know, like in this case, serving it warm as opposed to, you know, traditionally chilled or whatever. Nice. And I think that's really honest to consider food that way. Yes. Know? Well, that's what we believe you make. We're very much addicted to DG Burger, but you knew that. It is a darn good burger. And, you know, I'm loving going down to the next vintage wine shop, up or down, um, when we're at your restaurant at Bloomingdale's South Coast Plaza, because I think you really offer a new perspective on the wine store. And for those that don't know, would you define Next Vintage? Next Vintage is a retail wine shop within the restaurant. As you come into the restaurant entryway, it's right directly in front of you. We feature a lot of like small producer type wines and really in price ranges of all levels. For the people that use it, it's really great because they, they get there a little bit early and their guests haven't arrived yet. And they'll just come in there and kind of browse and see what we have. And of course, the really unique thing about it is, you know, our sommeliers and our, our wine people and our wine guys that are there are right there to answer any questions, to talk about different things, to try to figure out what people like to drink. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people come in and, and they have a certain profile, but to, to kind of get it out of them and suggest some wines that really kind of fit what they like. Because it's such a, you know, it's really a subjective thing. It's like food. It's how you're brought up. It's what your taste profile is. And, you know, but once they can, you can discover something new, maybe a different grape variety, it's, it's really kind of neat. And it's been really good for us. I mean, the next vintage is. It's kind of a neat aspect to have there. You know? Yeah, I think it's a whole new approach on the wine shop, and I think it's really genius. And I think that what's wonderful about it, too, is that you offer wines of every price range. It's very oh, yeah. reasonable. There are oftentimes great specials going on at Next Vintage, cooking classes in the restaurant. You will find Charlie there, whether it be Next Vintage Wine Shop, DG Burger, or Charlie Palmer at Bloomingdale South Coast Plaza for lunch, dinner, and now brunch. Just kicking off its new Bloody Mary brunch at Charlie Palmer's at South Coast Plaza. A completely revamped menu, a supercharged Bloody Mary bar. It is unlimited Bloody Marys. You will find me right in between the pepperoncinis and the candied bacon. 
you won't miss me. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon, Chef. It's always a pleasure to have you on the radio. Thank you for sharing your passion. All right, well, listen, thanks for having me. Yeah, oh, of course. Thanks, Charlie. Very happy okay. Easter to you and your family. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Thank you. As the delicious conversation continues, he is Charlie Palmer, and he always offers a juicy tidbit of information. There's more to make you hungry right after this. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. What's on the menu? Your table is ready. How about a spiced cola braised Duroc pork belly waffle sandwich? Oh, yeah, baby. Barbecue sauce made with that spiced cola, I'm some in. pickled vegetables. I know you're in. You know why? Because it was served on a Bruxy waffle. Where have you been if you've not heard of Bruxy's? It's griddled goodness. The waffle madness is catching on. And the gentleman behind the genius of Bruxy's with its fifth location soon to open is joining us live. He is Dean Simon, and it is Bruxy Gourmet Waffle Sandwiches. Good morning to you, Dean. Good morning, Jamie. (laughs) We're glad to have you here and in your radio. If you would tell the story, give us a virtual tour of Bruxy's because you were really the first to bring uh, the waffle madness alive, and we're really, truly forever grateful, and I mean that seriously. Thank you. We're trying to find ways to uh, market the mix to actually other chefs and restaurants to uh, utilize and kind of take the waffle out of just the for-breakfast-only category. Mm-hmm. And after a period of frustration, uh, my uh, partner Kelly Malarney and I actually had hired Kelly as a consultant to help me in this uh, endeavor and through the process we had uh, he had seen something in South, in South Korea actually where they take kind of a pancake type of thing and they folded it with ingredients and when he came back from Asia we started getting busy with making our waffle thinner and taking that process and turning it into the waffle sandwich but the waffle is the platform for which is you know kind of all the the fun came from. Yeah, just for the record, I really like your platform. Because the, tr- the truth is, I've never met anybody that doesn't love a waffle, and especially an authentic Belgian waffle, which I grew up on. That's what Lana loves and always made, and it was such a treat. And the fact that Bruxy's sort of a new take in, on an authentic Belgian waffle, it's lighter, it's sort of crispier, it's yeasty, and because you offer it savory and sweet, your batter is not particularly sweet, right? Virtually trace amounts of sugar. And one of the challenges we had is a lot of the waffles in the United States are basically more of a pancake style, a heavier uh, style. doesn't make it bad, just makes it different. And the Brussels waffle that we use is actually an authentic recipe um, from Belgium, and that's the one we use. Basically, just complements the ingredients you put with it. So that's why it works so well from a savory perspective Mm. and a sweet perspective. I love the idea of a waffle as street food because when I first visited your Old Town Orange location, I stood up and ate my savory waffle. And then I'm not so shameless to tell you, I followed it with a sweet one. Uh, But uh, talk about, if you would, some of your uh, best winning combinations for the savory flavor profile. It's a question that's asked a lot. And our number one seller is the buttermilk fried chicken and waffle, which is a boneless chicken breast and seasoned flour, fried in peanut oil. Then we use a, we have a cider coleslaw to add a little bit of crunch. Mm. And then we have a chili honey that we drizzle on that. That's our most popular. But, you know, I tell everybody it's all personal flavors. We've got some other fantastic savory ones, our Bruxy Burger. We've just added a hot pastrami, which is griddled boar's head pastrami with uh, fresh pickles and um, uh, Gruyere cheese. 
and it's you know we also have the turkey club which is is amazing as well so it's really just personal flavor choices but uh it's really kind of difficult to see what's your number one favorite okay i'm a green eggs and ham kind of girl i love the grilled ham the cheddar uh the arugula pesto i love that herbaceous flavor to it there's something beautiful about the savory combination too that you do with goat cheese and arugula and the balsamic drizzle so you get the acidity of the balsamic. Can you give us some tips if we're making waffles at home without disclosing your secret recipe, which I know you'd have to kill me. Uh, <laughs> you know, if we were making Belgian waffles to perfection, what advice can you share? Well, the best thing is, is to make them fresh mm-hmm. and it's great to have a crispy waffle and like with anything else, the, be- the best advice, get-, get the best ingredients or whatever you want to pair with it and have those ingredients ready to go so when you finish your waffle, it's nice and warm and crispy, and then you can add your ingredients because the warmth kind of enhances the ingredients that you put with it. But that's typically with anything, just get yourself prepared and have your ingredients ready to go so that when that waffle comes off the iron, you're ready to uh, assemble what- whatever you're going to do. Yeah, there's something wonderfully delicious about the ooey-gooey warmth of the waffle that permeates the rest of the ingredients. Can you give us any insight without disclosing your batter recipe, some flour suggestions or a combination of ingredients that makes up the best waffle? It's basically, it's kind of like baking bread. We use wheat flour and just simple fresh ingredients, so it's really not anything overly complicated. There's something about that yeasty component to it as well that I think pairs beautifully with the sweeter side of your menu. So inspire us, Dean, if you would, because my favorite um, is the Nutella and bananas with the sweet cream. But I watched a gentleman devour the lemon cream and berries. He had lemon cream dripping down his chin. It was the (laughs) fabulous sight. People ask me what is my overall favorite waffle. That is Hands down, I love the lemon cream berries because I love sweet and tart, and you pair it up with it. You know, we do seasonal berries. We typically have strawberries most of the year because, you know, we grow them in California year-round here, and we also have blackberries and raspberries. So you get the, the lemon cream, the seasonal berries, and it is fabulous. Mm. For the sweeter taste, we use the strawberry creme brulee is probably our most popular. If you like chocolate lover, we make uh, uh, s'mores with Belgian chocolate ganache. We make homemade marshmallow. Oh, wait, I haven't had that one. You're holding out on me. <laughs> no, we've got it. We've got it. You're making your own sodas and serving good Wisconsin frozen custard. That's what I grew up with, and uh, I'm a little bit older than you, but I grew up back east, and uh, um, I remember it from the fairs. And when we originally opened the Old Town Orange uh, uh, location, we wanted to have a, a really kind of special beverage program and the history of the building. And we said, let's find some cane sugar sodas which is really more difficult than you thought. So we ended up finding a lady in Nanaheim that, that handcrafts the syrups for us. We work with uh, flavor profiles with her. And then also, from day one, we brought in the fresh fresh custard mix from Wisconsin. From so Wisconsin. it really has uh, yeah. been a labor of love, but it really, I think it pays off. And I think a dedication, like I said, we, we're both passionate about the ingredients and with anything you do, if you use great ingredients and treat them right, it usually works out pretty well. Is it true, Dean, that you're going to be opening in Huntington Beach sometime soon? Yeah, we're finally heading west. We're going to Huntington Beach. We open there uh, mid-April. Uh, we actually just started hiring. Yesterday was our first day for interviews. So the Huntington Beach uh, has been a very supportive fan base for us, so I think uh, we're going to have a lot of fun down there. And it's, it's, it's interesting because you're going to have a mix of... Uh, uh, tourists and uh, some real foodies that live in Huntington Beach. So we're we're very very excited, and it's uh, 
It's right down by the beach. We're on uh, Fifth Street between PCH and Walnut, which is one block north of Maine, and uh, we're really, really excited about it. Well, congratulations. We will head that way. I would head north, south, east, or west for you, just so you know, <laughs> Dean, really. You can Thank find you. Bruxy Gourmet Waffle Sandwiches in Old Town Orange, Brea Downtown, Rancho Santa Margarita, and the shops at Chino Hills, all in Southern California, and the new location soon to open in Huntington Beach. It's always a pleasure, Dean. Thanks for sharing your passion. Thanks. Take care. From waffles to another brilliant breakfast idea, I hope you'll join me Coming up next Sunday, the 24th, I will be one of the featured chefs at the Palm Desert Food and Wine Festival, and I'm actually making a pancake slider. Now, that's a cool brunch item, if I may say myself. We love that you listen, and when you write in as well, you can always email us your questions live at chefjamie.com. Joanne did just that with Passover upcoming. Lana, she asked you for her uh, Jewish stuff, for a Jewish stuffed cabbage recipe, rather, Mm -hmm. for yours, and I was hoping you would share it. And for Passover in the ground beef chuck filling, Uh you would use matzo meal instead of flour. Got it. Of course. And the filling is just basically ground chuck, onion, eggs, raw rice, matzo meal, salt, and pepper. Right. But it's the putting the whole cabbage into hot water mm-hmm. to separate the leaves and then the sauce. Yeah, it's all about the sauce. The sauce is so wonderful. And it's very easy. It's whole peeled tomatoes from a big can, uh, some uh, chopped onion, uh, lemon juice, white sugar, brown sugar, and don't forget the dark raisins. And one thing my mother did do was she put some ginger snap cookies into her sauce. Oh, that's a great family secret. Yes. I do love that. Okay, as soon as the stuffed cabbage is ready, you Mm -hmm. let me know. I'll come over and taste it. We're having it for Passover. I can't wait. (laughs) Uh, Also on our menu for Passover is a twist on matzo ball soup this year. And it's sort of my innovative idea for taking um, a step further than matzo balls. I'm planning to make matzo gnocchi. Mm. So like a traditional gnocchi with a fluffy cooked russet potato, the inside, not the peel itself, mixed with matzo meal and then some fresh chives and parsley and egg yolks. I'm going to make a matzo gnocchi and float those in chicken broth to make a, a matzo gnocchi soup. And I'm posting that recipe at chefjamie.com as our recipe of the week coming up. So mm, please check it that out. That sounds divine. Thank you. I hope you'll like it. And then um, some more Passover ideas as you're planning your menu. Well, when you talk Passover, you have to mention macaroons. Yes. Of course. And they're always uh, uh, there's always an overabundance of them in our home. Uh, and uh, you could make a um, sour cherry macaroon crumble. Okay. Yes, So, which is really Yum. wonderful. But also what I like to make is a biscuit tortoni, where you just take some vanilla ice cream and mix in some um, cherries into it and pack it into a cup and put some ground uh, macaroons on top. And you have a frozen cup of delicious tortoni ice cream. I love the idea that you're crumbling the leftover macaroons and using them as a topping for everything because Mm -hmm. that coconut flavor just permeates so deliciously. And use the crushed macaroons also in uh, your fruit compote. 
Mm, your well. breakfast yogurt on top mm. of your oatmeal. Mm. Oh, the possibilities are endless. I can't wait. Passover starts uh, in just a week with Easter. A week following that, we will be dishing and planning your best menus for holiday feasts. And we're always featuring new recipes at chefjamie.com. So please check it out. Stay tuned in the coming weeks as well. We were just at the Natural Foods Expo, Lana and I, and we came across some really unique and incredible new food products on the market. It is the first ever at-home aquaponics kit, and you're going to hear about it here first. So do stay tuned. And please join us next Sunday when the delicious conversation continues. Katie Parla is joining us with her Italian wine suggestions for your Easter meal, and in fact, giving us some of her best tips on where to eat and drink in Rome. Also, Robert Schuler, our resident produce guru with Melissa's, is highlighting the best of spring from the produce section at your favorite supermarket or the farmer's market the best of seasonal produce will be shared and oh how we adore bernard guias of course of the marine room in la jolla california he has the best ideas for passover for your easter leg of lamb so don't miss it we will be live and in your radio next sunday beginning at 8 a.m and until then we thank you for listening i'll meet you at chefjamie.com or on facebook and twitter at chef jamie gwen until then chef jamie gwen along with lana signing off we hope you continue to eat well The preceding program has been brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment.